For me, it's really how do our members demonstrate honestly that they are worthy of trust. This isn't about trust building. The onus isn't 50% on the community and 50% on us. It's 100% on us because we have not been trustworthy for decades and centuries. Welcome to Centering Health Equity. I'm Duane Reynolds, your co-host and president of the Just Health Collective. And I'm Maria Hernandez, president of Impact for Health. In this episode, we have the honor of speaking with Philip Alberti, Senior Director for Health Equity Research and Policy at the Association of American Medical Colleges, and Priya Bathesia, Vice President of Strategic Initiatives for the American Hospital Association. The AAMC and the AHA are the nation's largest membership organizations serving independent hospitals, health systems, and medical centers across the United States. In this first part of our conversation, we explore what the associations are doing to address the growing call to action for health equity. Priya and Philip share about different initiatives that have just launched to support their members in addressing health inequities and what challenges they see ahead. It's very clear the commitment to advance health equity within the AHA and the AAMC is strong and that both organizations have set ambitious goals. We invite you to learn and be inspired by Priya and Philip's visionary leadership for the future of health systems across the nation. So thank you for both for joining us today. We're really excited to have you on the Centering Health Equity podcast with myself and my colleague, Maria Hernandez. And both of you represent large member organizations, and we're interested in understanding what your organizations are doing to advance health equity in healthcare and beyond. Okay, well, I'll jump in first. And Dwayne and Maria, thank you so much for having me be part of this conversation. I'm really excited to talk with both of you and Philip today about um, health equity. And so there are a number of ways that large member organizations are um, helping our member hospitals advance health equity. Um, and there are really four areas that we're trying to help our members with at the American Hospital Association. And the first is around improved data collection and how data is used. Um, so that includes you know, engaging with our members, having them commit to collecting demographic data, stratifying that data, um, and analyzing those disparities, and then helping them understand how they can take that data to action and how they can use it to develop processes and programs that eliminate the disparities that they've identified. We're also helping them take on the societal factors that influence health, so this is work that they can do to address the social needs of individual patients, the social determinants of their communities, and then the broader systemic causes that are leading to poor health across the country. And in most cases, that involves partnering. So we're helping them understand what they need to do and the skills they need to have and bring to the table as they partner with other stakeholders in their communities. We're also helping them take on cultural competency education so that they can train their clinicians and their care teams around skills so they can deliver care in a way that meets their patient's social, cultural, and linguistic needs. And then last, and then I'll turn it over um, to Philip because I know they're doing a lot of great work as well. We're just working with them to increase diversity and inclusion at all levels of the organization. And so that means um, the workers on the front line, the leadership of the hospitals and health systems, as well as the boards that 
are representing the community in the boardroom for the hospital. So those are the four areas that we're focused on as a large member organization. Thanks, Priya. I, I think that data piece that you mentioned is one of high interest. Gathering some of this data may be a little scary for organizations that you know, aren't quite ready to admit that there may be disparities within their system. So uh, I think that's going to be a challenge as we move forward, particularly getting to a point of sort of benchmarking data against other organizations. Um, so it's much like the, the safety and quality movement where organizations have to get comfortable sharing their data in order to be able to improve. So Philip, would love to hear now about uh, what you're doing at AAMC. Well, thank you, Duane and Maria, for the invitation. Thank you, Priya, for that incredible overview of what AHA is doing. And, and you mentioned data, but I'm going to resist jumping down the data rabbit hole uh, right now, but maybe we can return to data uh, later in our conversation. Um, you know, I love the four areas that you mentioned, Priya, data, social needs and determinants, cultural competency, and diversity and inclusion. I think at the AAMC, we're really working to differentiate, right, the fields, I would say, of kind of health equity focused on population health outcomes, community health outcomes, in collaboration with some of the organizational kind of self-reflective work around diversity and inclusion, cultural humility, uh, and extending into anti-racism. And I think that's a, a crucial distinction for medical care to wrap their brains around, right? Because there's a right-sized role for this biomedical work uh, in a health equity and healthcare equity frame, but they're really different skills and different experts and different folks doing different work if you're really focused on big data, population, health dynamics, and health inequities certainly fall uh, into into that bucket. But I'm really excited to talk about uh, something that AMC is working on right now. Uh, So about a year and a half ago, pre-COVID, pre-George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, et cetera, we had started our strategic planning process to identify 10 action plans that would really guide the association's work uh, for the next five years, 10 years, maybe even forever. Um, Many of them focus on issues of social justice broadly. There are very specific action plans focused on diversity and inclusion. Uh, But the one that I was fortunate enough to be asked to lead is uh, to develop and launch the AAMC's Center for Health Justice. Uh, And the rationale behind that is really thinking that, you know, the United States needs a comprehensive, coordinated, all hands on deck, kind of like a structure shifting approach to solving health inequities, right? Currently, our efforts are siloed. I would say sectors and communities kind of see health justice as a zero-sum game, right? If I have it, maybe your community doesn't have it. And I would also say that individuals and organizations, including our own member organizations, they're really unsure about what actions to take, what words to use, what policies to endorse. And so the Center for Health Justice, and we'll hopefully launch uh, or open our virtual doors in June or July of this year, we hope to contribute to the solutions to health inequities by doing three things. So first, grounding the work even our national level work in community voice, community wisdom, and community expertise, because we understand that people that are living closest to health and justice are also those closest to the solutions to health and justice. So true, authentic community engagement is kind of core of what the center will do. Secondly, uh, we want to create a space for organizations representing the various social and political determinants of health, education, criminal justice reform, environmental justice, urban planning, et cetera, to come together, to join together and develop an action-oriented common health justice framework and agenda so we can all deploy our sector-specific resources in an aligned way, 
right? Really saying we have a lot of common needs. Data is a common need. Let's advocate for that together, regardless of what sector we're in. And then thirdly, and you mentioned this Priya too, you said taking data to action. And that's really the bread and butter of what the center will try to do is develop actionable evidence and strategies and tactics that our communities, our member organizations, and their multi-sector partners can use not only to advocate for policy and practice change, but actually to implement and evaluate their own policy and practice change at all levels, organizational, local, state, federal. Um, so we're really trying to spark this movement. It's kind of an experiment. Uh, I'm thrilled to see how it takes shape. And so hopefully more in the next uh, few months, we'll, we'll have that opening ceremony that we can share. Those are really exciting developments, Philip. I think those are fantastic. And now, of course, the, the question of the day would be, what are going to be some of those challenges that you need to address? Because there's this tension, as we alluded to a moment ago, between reporting out where we are and accepting that this is the starting point and not, and you know, in essence, kind of taking a little bit more of a cautious approach to reporting out that data. So I wonder if you both could speak to a little bit of what you're seeing in terms of those challenges of getting people comfortable with reporting out data on health inequities. I understand that there is a tension between these areas, but we sort of look at them as the three-legged stool to health equity, right? So these are the three areas we really need to make progress as we move forward. And I think framing it that way helps our hospital and health system leaders understand that we can take these on. We don't have to be perfect at this. It is much like Dwayne mentioned with the quality improvement journey. This is something that we're never going to be able to get to a point where we can say, we've done it, we did it, that's all we can do. And I think if we have that mindset front of mind as we take on this work, um, it'll be much easier to bring those ideas of reporting, accountability, and awareness together. And I'll just say, you know, and Dwayne touched on this a little bit too around the data. This is really hard work, and I don't mean to go into a deep dive on the data discussion, but if you even simply just look at screening patients for social needs, right? So we all know that the data has to come from the population level, but it also needs to come from individual patients. Um, and there are so many challenges to just getting that screening, basic information from patients. So for example, providers may feel uncomfortable engaging in those conversations around social needs. They may not know what to do with that information when they have it. They may not know where to direct that patient. So they just feel like they shouldn't ask because they don't have a solution to offer. Um, and patients a lot of times feel reluctant to share information with others, including their care providers. So they may feel shame and not being able to provide for their families, or they may have a fear that if they give that information to their provider, their provider might report them to social services, or they don't know what will happen if they share that information. And so there are a number of things that are being done by hospitals around the country to overcome those challenges. But I want to raise it in this conversation because I think it's an important piece in how our hospitals and health systems are, are looking at data. Um, and then when it comes to awareness, I don't think we can ignore that we're at this perfect point in time to have these discussions. And whether we as healthcare leaders want to have these discussions or not, they are happening in our environment and everywhere around us. So, you know, we have to be part of it. We have to be part of this solution and continue on our journey collectively on health equity. And, you know, the last thing sort of on that point of accountability 
I think it's really important with all of this awareness and discussions for hospitals to begin holding themselves accountable for this work on health equity. And I'm by no means saying that hospitals bear the entire brunt of addressing health equity in their community. That That's simply not the case and that's not possible. It, it just can't happen. It has to be a collective effort. But hospitals have a role to play in it and I think they need to own that role and work to figuring out what role they play in this work for their patients and their communities. Priya, I, I agree with you completely. And I'm so glad that you, you know, ta- I think what's missing is an understanding of what the right size role is for the healthcare system, the medical care system in achieving the broad goal of health equity, right? We all know the models, healthcare is 15%, 20%. So I think there's certainly and accountability for healthcare equity. And that's a lot of what we're talking about, the data collection, the stratification, kind of incorporating healthcare equity principles into quality improvement science and practice. We certainly, as a, as a field, healthcare, medical care, owns that. Those inequities in healthcare processes, healthcare access, healthcare outcomes, really that is something that we should be accountable for. And, I, and I've been heartened by seeing healthcare organizations across the country really step up and try to do that hard work because it is hard work. But I think when we frame it as what is healthcare's role to achieve health equity, it's so much broader than healthcare. As someone that works with and for healthcare organizations, I'm really worried when I see the national conversation putting so many health equity eggs into the healthcare basket. We're not trained that way, and we shouldn't be trained that way. Our partners are trained that way. There are experts in public health, in social work, and other fields in the health ecosystem that we should be working with in lockstep to really think about the connections between the quality of care received in a healthcare organization and how that relates to the social and community-based needs uh, in the neighborhoods from which our patients are coming. And so I think part of the, the first step really has to be, what is that right size role? What do we really mean by accountability for health equity? Because it's not just about QI, it's about corporate social responsibility, community health needs assessments, economic interventions in local communities via that anchor mission. There's a lot of other work, uh, including science and research and community-based practice and patient engagement uh, that goes into thinking about that right-size role. And so I think we could start off with the right-size bite of healthcare equity and really making sure those internal processes are on point and then getting our internal houses in order, right? Making sure that your service learning is aligned with your community health needs assessment, is aligned with the research questions you're asking, is aligned with how you're contributing community benefit dollars, right? There is a smaller healthcare ecosystem that can really produce healthcare equity. And then we'll really be ready when we're at the top of our game to enter into those multi-sector collaborations in our communities to really bring our unique resources to bear on these questions of health equity. So I think we have some soul searching to do to figure out what that right size is. Philip, I'm so glad that you're bringing this up because I always say when I'm doing the work I do inside hospitals, we can't solve this inside these four walls. We need those partnerships. We need that kind of collaboration. I often point out to uh, ProMedica, which has done some really phenomenal work around food insecurity and partnering with various organizations to address that. I wonder if you have other examples or what's on your wish list that people might you know, try to do in order to do this. And uh, I'll go to Priya first, if you've got an example you want to share. Or- We've collected quite a lot of examples. And I, I think the one 
um, that always sticks out in my mind. And we've actually acknowledged and rewarded um, in a number of ways Henry Ford Health System for the work that they've done, because it has really been They've looked at it at the totality of the areas that they need to be for health equity within their four walls and in their community. Um, So, for example, they've been collecting race, ethnicity and language preference information from 90 percent of their patients for a really long time. This isn't something they just picked up and started doing now. Um, They've been addressing the societal factors that influence health in a number of ways. Um, They've had a lot of longstanding programs and they've popped up new programs to deal with COVID in the past um, year and make sure that their communities that are at high risk, they're providing ways to limit the risk to exposure to the COVID virus. Um, They've been providing cultural competency evident um, education. And I guess the piece that has really excited me is a couple weeks ago, they announced that they were entering into a 30-year partnership with Michigan State University. And that partnership is going to be you know, it's focused on research and innovation and bringing that together with the clinical aspects of care. But the piece that stood out to me was that they have a shared vision and commitment to building a diverse and inclusive workforce. Um, And to do that, and as part of doing that, um, they're building a new campus for Michigan State on Henry Ford's hospital campus. And they're going to give medical students, nurses, the opportunity from day one to be interacting with those communities and to solving the social needs and social determinants of um, the communities surrounding the hospital. And so that's really exciting to me. And I think that education of the future workforce is an important piece of this discussion too, which I'm sure Philip can touch on way more than I could And then last, um, Henry Ford's really been focused on diversity and inclusion at all levels of their organization. So they've been able to take a number of steps. And right now, their senior leadership is 50% female and 43% non-white. And so that's changed dramatically over the last five to 10 years as a result of their efforts as well. So they're sort of on the top of my mind right now, although there's many great examples from across the country of hospitals taking on this work. Yep. Similarly, academic health centers, we share a large portion of our membership, and there are certainly uh, incredible exemplars, and I'll mention one related to what I think is really foundational for health equity work for anybody, uh, and that's true, authentic community engagement Um, and really demonstrating not that an individual is worthy of trust, but that our organizations are worthy of trust. And it's not just healthcare or public health, but there was a report just yesterday in D.C., Black families are unlikely to send their kids back to school because they don't trust their schools to make sure their children are safe. So there's this new inequity about who's getting in-person education versus who's staying at home, and that's going to have consequences down the road. And so for me, it's really how do our members demonstrate honestly that they are worthy of trust. This isn't about trust building. The onus isn't 50% on the community and 50% on us. It's 100% on us because we have not been trustworthy for decades and centuries. Uh, And so I'll give an example of when that kind of trustworthiness really hits the road and is effective. So every year, the AAMC confers uh, an outstanding community engagement award uh, named after Spencer Foreman. Uh, And last year, the winner was Rush University Medical Center. Uh, And so the, the story that really just bowled me over. We did our virtual site visit in June or July of last year. So, you know, all still, and we still are all in shock from COVID, but really kind of shock time. Um, And they were talking about their 30 or 40 year service learning program 
where medical students and nursing students and other students have been deployed in service of community engagement and community health improvement activities for you know, three or four decades. And so what that meant was that they had done the work of creating longstanding trust, trusting relationships. And so when COVID hit and there was a real scare in the homeless community about this is a really you know, unbelievably marginalized population, unbelievably at risk, and we saw how it played out across the country. Well, Rush, because of these longstanding connections and engagements, was able to immediately galvanize and pull together all the right players from government, from public health, from homeless shelters, for healthcare from the homeless, et cetera. And as of July, when we had spoken, when in New York City and in Los Angeles, homeless communities had been devastated by COVID, uh, because of the action that they were able to generate from those trusted relationships, as of July or August, there had only been two deaths from COVID in a homeless shelter citywide in Chicago. So it's really about walking that walk uh, and showing that you can be a trusted partner. This wasn't Rush leading the effort. This was Rush setting the table for community partners to break bread and craft a strategy that was unbelievably successful. Uh, so for me, that's where it all starts. It starts at being an authentic partner, engaging not your community leaders, but the actual folks on the ground, incorporating their wisdom into the work in a real way. What fabulous examples. Thank you. I hope anyone listening taps into your resources to find out more about how to duplicate those kinds of efforts. I think it is such a a great point that you raise about trust and trust is not built overnight and trust cannot just be conferred uh, in a quick manner. So what we're seeing right now is that there's a lot of apprehension in communities of color about the vaccination. And so You know, there are strategies that we certainly can try, but in reality, the healthcare organizations um, that have uh, built trusting relationships ahead of time, that have put in the hard work ahead of time, are going to have an easier position in terms of uh, connecting with those communities and getting them to trust that the vaccine is the the best thing for them to be doing. Um, And You know, it really, it does come down to accountability. Thank you for listening to Centering Health Equity, a podcast dedicated to conversations on reducing bias in healthcare. You've been listening to our conversation with Priya Bathesia, Vice President for Strategy at the American Hospital Association, and Philip Alberti, Senior Director for Health Equity Research and Policy at the Association of American Medical Colleges. For more information about the work they've mentioned in the show, please visit our website at centeringhealthequity.com. You'll find show notes and more information about our guests. If you'd like to be on our show or would like to recommend someone for us to interview, please share this with us on our website or send us your recommendation on Twitter at CenterHealthEQ. Until next time, be well. Be well.